0: Hello, my name is Simon Cohen and welcome to the Biology Pod, the podcast that's designed to help you make the most of Year 11 Biology. So why not get yourself a nice cool drink, find yourself a comfortable place to study and let's learn biology. Hello and welcome to podcast number three for 2009 and we seem to be flying through the area of study one, Cells in Action. I thought I'd do a, a special podcast as podcast number three for those students who missed the very beginning of area of study one that was looking at the chemistry of cells the composition of living organisms and what are living organisms so this is just a little bit of revision aimed specifically at those people who missed the first week or so perhaps they transferred into the subject late or they missed the the head start program at my school. Of course, Oh, it will also be useful revision for any other students in case there was a question on it in our sack next Thursday. And no, I don't think my hints can be any less subtle than that. So the first thing we did at the beginning of the year, if you can think that far back, was say, what is biology? And we came up with the definition that biology was the science of the study of living things. And then we spent some time Looking at the scientific method and how the scientific method works mm-hmm. through developing hypotheses and uh, designing experiments to test those hypotheses and then considering the results of that to see if you have to revise our hypotheses uh, when we draw draw conclusions whether we're right or wrong. So that's the scientific method. We spend quite a lot of time talking about experimental controls and how best decided to use this scientific method we also spent some time saying well if biology is the study of living things how can we tell if something's alive and we came up with seven seven factors if you like seven indicators that something was alive and the way to remember these is with the uh, initials of their first words which spell out the word Mrs. Nerg okay so we've got seven Mrs. Nerg words And these are M for movement, R for reproduction, S for sensitivity, N for nutrition, E for excretion, R for respiration and G for growth. That's all organisms can move. Plants might move slowly or just turn their leaves to face the sun, but they can move. All living organisms can make, uh, can reproduce either sexually, where they combine genes with another organism, or asexually, where they just make copies of themselves. But if they couldn't reproduce, you'd only have one generation, and extinction. All living things are, have sensitivity; they can react to changes in the environment. Again, plants might not have nerves like you; they might not be able to react very quickly, but they can send chemical messengers. For example. The pores on the underside of leaves close up at night. They're sensitive to the fact that it's becoming dark and they don't want water to evaporate, so they close the pores at the bottom of their leaf. They're showing their sensitivity to light. N was for nutrition. Nutrition just means taking material from the environment and incorporating it into yourself, incorporating it into the living organism. This could be in an animal, through the process of ingestion, eating, digestion, breaking it up, absorption, uh, taking it into the, the bloodstream, moving around the body, and assimilation, where you actually put that material into your your body. Again, with plants, it's a little bit different because they don't ingest and digest. And so therefore, for them, they use diffusion into their roots, where they are effectively starting the process at absorption excretion was our e molecular processes produce waste and that waste has to be removed it could be the waste from respiration which is carbon dioxide and that is breathed out by your lungs it could be the waste urea through your kidneys plants remove the waste as a waste product of photosynthesis uh oxygen our r was respiration and we spent uh a A couple of periods talking about the difference between anaerobic and aerobic respiration and how respiration was combining sugars and oxygen in our mitochondrion to form carbon dioxide and water and energy. We spoke about the ATP ADP cycle and that's its role in respiration. And we also uh, are just starting now. To talk about growth in any detail, but growth simply means making new cells. It's uh, basically the process of mitosis, and these could be to increase the number of cells in the organism or to replace cells which have died or been damaged. So, living things do all those seven things, or they Mrs. NERG, and biology is the study of those. Now, in addition to the seven Mrs. Nerg words, we came up with another one, and that was adaption. All living things adapt. They show changes over successive generations. And this is part of the evolution topic that we'll be studying later in the year. But i just bring it up again now, just to remind you the 200th anniversary this year of the birth of Charles Darwin, the 150th anniversary of the publication of his book, The Origin of Species. So there's a lot of magazine articles floating around at the moment. There's articles in uh, weekend editions of the newspaper and that sort of thing. There's also a, a series of podcasts, I noticed, on Radio National. And it's well worth having a look at these, storing some of these up for later in the year when we're going to be looking at evolution and looking at how organisms adapt over successive generations later in the year. So now we've decided what's alive and what isn't alive, we can start the main part of podcast three, biological molecules. And in this we're going to be looking at those organic compounds, which compounds first discovered because of their association with living organisms. They're compounds mainly containing carbon and hydrogen. So if you want a definition of a biological molecule, A good starting place will be a molecule largely composed of carbon and hydrogen that is associated with the metabolism of a living organism. That's not to say that they're the only component of living organisms' chemistry. There's also a number of inorganic molecules. These are simple things like water and oxygen, and carbon dioxide, a number of trace elements. But we're not going to be discussing them and their role in biological chemistry at the moment. What we're going to be looking at is trying to classify the biological molecules we see into a number of different types. So let's start with carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are a family of organic molecules that are made up of carbon, hydrogen and oxygen atoms and they range from simple sugars through to some very complex polysaccharides. So let's start with the simplest ones and the simplest ones are the sugars monosaccharides mono meaning one saccharide sugar and they're one sugars monosaccharides because they're a single ringed molecule. Glucose is a ring containing 6 carbons 12 hydrogens 6 oxygens now I don't recommend that you try and learn the formulas of a load of organic molecules but I think you should remember that glucose C6H12O6 that one is well worth remembering it's not the only monosaccharide there's a number of them fructose for example is associated with fruit If we had two monosaccharides and stuck them together we'd have a sugar which is composed of two rings stuck together and this is called a disaccharide. So disaccharide is nothing more complicated than two monosaccharides joined together. A glucose and a fructose together for example makes a sucrose which is the stuff you put on cornflakes. Two glucoses together would be a mortose, which is the sugar found in germinating seeds, in malt seeds. And these two together are a disaccharide, mono-1, di-2. The next stage is poly, which means many. And it's possible to contain many, many thousand of these simple sugars together into a long chain. A long chain of several thousand glucoses would be known as cellulose and that's what plant walls are made of. They're effectively made of thousands of sugars joined together into long simple chains. It's very similar in structure, incidentally, to chitin. C H I T I N chitin, where long chains of glucose have been stuck together but the nitrogen has been stuck onto the side of each of those links in the chain. And that is the material chitin is the material that the exoskeleton of insects is made up of now polysaccharides don't just play these structural roles they're largely associated with the storage of energy and when we hear of people saying about eating carbohydrates what they tend to be talking about is eating polysaccharide polys they don't mean they're eating a lot of sugar they mean they're eating the complex long chain polysaccharides and the one they tend to talking about is starch starch is found for example in potatoes but it's in most plants plants use it to store energy when well, they might have a thousand glucoses stuck together what makes a different starch from cellulose is that in cellulose you've got a long straight chain of glucoses but in starch it, you've got a branched structure animals don't store animals don't use starch to store their energy they do have a similar molecule called glycogen which is again a branch complex polysaccharide so just remember that by carbohydrates we've got a whole group of molecules they all roughly have those portions of one carbon to two hydrogens to one oxygen some are very simple rings some are two rings stuck together some are long chains of rings called polysaccharides or long branched chains of rings. Carbohydrates doesn't just mean those starches that are familiar in our diet. The second family of organic compounds I want to talk about are the lipids. These are the fats, the oils and the waxes. Living organisms use lipids in a number of ways. They're a good store of energy, and around our f- muscles we'll have a layer of fat to provide the energy for aerobic respiration. They're also good protection. They're good protection from heat. If we're a whale, we'll have a layer of lipids to insulate us. Around uh, some of our organs, like our heart and our kidneys, we'll have a layer of fat that protects them from knocks and bumps. For a plant, on the top surface of our leaf, will often have wax that will prevent the leaf from evaporating too much. That's not there to protect the leaf from rain. It's to prevent evaporation. Lipids are also good chemical messengers. So they're a good type of hormone known as a steroid. And what makes them so useful is because the cell membranes... Are also made of lipids. So, our cell membranes that are made of lipids around our cells, the steroids being made of lipids can pass straight through and send their messages. So, what do lipids look like? Well, they've got a glycerol head that looks a bit like a sugar and they've got a number of fatty acid tails. So, the question is can we convert carbohydrates into lipids? If we eat a lot of starchy things, will we put on fat? And the answer is yes we will because we have enzymes which allow us in our cells to convert those carbohydrates, any excess amount of carbohydrates, into fats. Now you wouldn't be expected to know the chemical formula for any lipids but you would be expected to be able to recognise that it was the chemical formula for a lipid and not for a carbohydrate. And the way to do so is that lipids have a lot less oxygen in them. They're mainly carbon and hydrogen. (laughs) Our next group of organic compounds are very large molecules indeed. They're the nucleic acids. These transmit the information for inheritance. They're our genes. And there are two main types. There's nucleic acid, DNA, and its little cousin, ribonucleic acid, RNA. But we can think of them as subunits called nucleotides. A nucleotide is a sugar that on one side is attached to one of four bases, adenine, guiamine, cytosine, and thymine, normally just abbreviated to A, G, C, and T. In RNA, the thiamine has been replaced by uracil, U, which is a very similar molecule. Now, on the other side of the sugar, there's a phosphate, which then links to the next sugar. So they're held together in chains, RNA being a single chain and DNA being a double chain, with the sugars attached to the phosphates all being on the outside and the bases being on the inside and then that wrapped around to form the familiar double helix. Now, DNA and nucleic acids are such an important topic in biology that I'm not going to go into any detail at all here. I know it will be the subject of a later podcast. Which brings us to our last group, the amino acids and proteins. Now, amino acids, there's about 150 of them found in cells but only 20 are commonly associated with proteins. What does an amino acid look like? Well, it's got a carbon on one end, and as carbons do, it forms four bonds. It forms a bond with a carboxy group and a hydrogen atom, and it also bonds to what's known as an R group. And the properties of the R group determine the properties of the amino acid. When the amino acids are joined together into a sequence as determined by our DNA, They form what's known as a polypeptide chain because the bonds between them are known as peptide bonds. If you've got enough of them joined together into a very large molecule, a macromolecule, it's known as a protein. So that's what a protein is. It's a very long sequence of amino acids. Why are proteins important? Well, why are proteins important? Well, they form the structural components of our cells. They form their cytoskeleton. They're in the cell membrane and are attached to those little flags that tell us uh, that they're our cells and what type of cells they are. So they're very important in immunology. They transport materials around the cells. Some of them contract and are important in pulling parts of the cell apart in cell division. And... Perhaps most importantly of all, there are also enzymes, which are the biological catalysts which control all our metabolic reactions. So, in a very real way, life wouldn't exist without these proteins. And that brings us, I think, to the end of the podcast. It was going to be a very short podcast, and it turned out to be, well, as long as any other but I hope it's been very useful. Now don't forget if you have any questions just drop me an email at biologypod at gmail.com and I'll do my best to either answer you in a podcast in a uh, answer you in a future podcast or send you a reply. Until then, take care. <coughs>